Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're going to have to blow up the entire system. If Joe Biden wins, Democrats can sack the courts. Hampshire mom says she was kicked off an American Airlines flight when her two-year-old son wouldn't keep his mask on. Charges filed against the parents and the juvenile accused of hosting a party in Sudbury that caused the entire Lincoln-Sudbury school district to suddenly transfer to remote-only learning. Police say when they arrived, kids scattered into the woods. Many gave fake names. Given that America is built on racism, sexism and other evils how will you as vice president advocate whether through policy or just through the powers that you know that you can advocate on how will we resolve these injustices for the black community and specifically for black women yeah thank you and and thank you for your role of leadership um part of it is i'm gonna need your help maybe he gets a spot in the cabinet (laughs) good well there you go kamala harris working with the community in detroit to Finally, eradicate sexism, racism, xenophobia, and all the other things that you and I are guilty of day in and day out. A lot of stuff happening today. We can start. Why don't we start right there with Kamala uh, Kamala Harris in Detroit. She is everywhere today. She is out there doing retail politics where Joe Biden called it a day at 9.15 or so this morning. The campaign said Biden will not be making any news there's no reason to hang around or wait for us. So he's cloistered away today. Um, and is that That's two days in a row, I think. I mean, at this point, realistically, what are the chances that they just replace him at the top of the ticket? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, he's the guy garnering the polls. Um, so you know, she's not the one who who's polling through the roof. It's, it's him. So I don't know. I mean... It, at this point, last time around, I was sure that Hillary was going to uh, t- take a face plant, and she actually did last time around. Um, but I just think that – I don't know. I mean, Biden, like they say, he has good days and bad days. And so can't they good day, bad day their way to the election? I don't know. 
He's not, he's not, it's not as if he's, sorry, I was uh, using the RFB to communicate with Alice <laughs> for a nanosecond. Um, so, so my feeling is this, is that, I mean, you're too far in now. There's not another viable candidate. If he starts tanking the polls, then maybe, but I, I don't think that they can, at this point, if it's two days in a row and you've got to hide him away, you can't have him. You can't have him debate. You can't. It's- right. I mean, if he's doing interviews that he can't uh, function, if he can't follow his teleprompter quickly enough, then I don't see how he can do an extemporaneous debate. Yeah, well, who knows? Who knows how bad this, when it's bad, who knows how bad it is? When when he's when they notice that he's not ready for prime time in the morning, what what are they seeing? Mm-hmm. What is Jill saying? It, it, who knows actually if the campaigns get it, can get that close to him? Jill might be saying, "You guys get the hell out of here." Have Kamala go talk to people, and so that's another that's another um, challenge because Kamala is out talking to people, and so for today, there she's trying to shore up the um, the votes or, or in in Michigan and trying she's in the city she needs to make sure that the mm-hmm. obama coalition gets out there the obama biden coalition she needs to make sure that that they get all those votes in the black community they got last time they get this time so now you've got no messaging from joe biden but you have kamala out there and she is hitting the news cycle but it's stuff like this um on behalf of the wayne state black student union we want to know that given that america is built on racism sexism and other evils how will you as vice president advocate whether through policy or just through the powers that you know that you can advocate on how will we resolve these injustices for the black community and specifically for black women yes thank you and and thank you for your role of leadership um part of it is i'm gonna need your help you can't do that that can't be what she's out doing that is extremely narrow casting. And so the rest of the country is going to see her out there. There's Some of this stuff is going to be go viral. And if they're going to report on her at all, then they're going to have to put some of this stuff in. Because all, all the questions she got, were, were everything was about criminal justice reform. And I, I don't know, are they seeing polling that's saying that Americans really love the Black Lives Matter and defunding the police? Because the last big poll that I saw said that about 75% of... of um, of people in the black community had a um, a positive view of law enforcement in their neighborhood. They wanted police in their neighborhood. Well, right. I mean, it's it's hard to understand what they're campaigning on, given that, um, you know, what the community is saying is so radical, um, the, the activist community, that is. And, you know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's records are both uh, tough on crime records, right? You know, you have you have Biden with the criminal justice bill in the nineties. Um, you know that that's responsible essentially for mass incarceration. You have Kamala Harris who built her political career essentially on locking up black people for minor offenses, like for having their kids be truant from school. The idea that she's now going out here and thanking activists uh, for for rioting against law enforcement is so bizarre to me. It makes no sense. Also, are we detecting a little bit of a, um, 
what's called code switching by Kamala yes, in the did. in the voice in the voice and yes. the accent when she speaks in the black community versus yeah. you know when she appears on late night shows. You are detecting that, and we're gonna hear a little <laughs> bit. We're gonna hear a little bit more in a second. But what does it do when you have somebody? I mean, that could have been her, their sister soldier moment. When you have somebody saying, we know this country was built on racism and sexism and all these other isms, it's a hateful portrayal of the country. It's a very dark and right. cynical portrayal of in- inaccurate, intellectually lazy, and it's just ugly. And for her to smile, and because we talked about this, she just has to get through the room or get through, the, in this case, the right. parking lot, um, Q&A. You know, for her to smile and say, well, I'm going to need your help. Yep, you're right about all that. It is racist, sexist, if, you know, hellhole. You're right about that. Of course. I'm reminded, actually, uh, of the contrast between that and John McCain uh, when he had the the person in a town hall or wherever he was ask him about Obama being a Muslim. And he grabbed the mic from the, essentially, from the woman, essentially, and said, no, 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 he's not a Muslim. You know, and that's... For all, I did not agree with John McCain about a lot of things, but he had political courage to say what he thought about things mm-hmm. and to be intellectually honest and not just to do what Kamala is doing here and agree with the person who's directly in front of her right now. You know, he was willing to say to somebody who's in theory one of his supporters and say, no, you're wrong about this thing. And this is why. Right. And this would have been, and this is the, another reason why this could have been a good sister soldier like moment is. That nobody knows this kid. This kid, it's not like this kid is uh, Sean King right. or Cornell West. You know, she can shut shut this kid down right now, and he's got no constituency that's going to rise up and, you know, push back against her. Right. She had the chance to make make a chicken salad out of this, and she didn't. And I think that, I, I, I think that all, that, I don't think Joe Biden would at this point either. Maybe he could mutter something out. I'm not sure. But I certainly think Donald Trump could think in his feet enough to shut the kid down. I mean, he has no problem doing it. He, when he was in California, the wildfires, you know, he contradicted, gotten a, 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 a or almost a row um, with the with the environmental guy who said, "By which the science believed you." And he said, "Well, you just watch; it's going to get cold." You know, Trump has he's got no problem saying what the hell is, <laughs> which is right. I think why people were nervous when he first heard from the press that Ginsburg had died. You know, oh, in that course. moment, you're like. Uh, you know, think it, he could still say something. Please don't say about that Gainsbourg. that's fantastic, Mr. Trump. <laughs> I know. But, yeah. but I mean, she has no ability to do that. No ability to, to work on her feet. Obama could have handled that in a second. Obama, a lot of times, people may not remember, but he used to get heckled a lot. Mm-hmm. The LGBT community used to give him hell, and he could work on his feet. He was a really, he was really strong at that. And obviously, Clinton. Of know, course. Oh yes, he was Mr. Sister Soldier. Yeah, and he could work on, but but. She does not have those chops. So the the administration here, she, the, the the left will, I mean, this only she's only making white people with masters masters degrees masters degrees. How do you say it? Masters degrees. Masters degrees in Wellesley happy by saying that. That doesn't make anybody. That does not make rank and file Democrats happy. By right. going around with this being uh, so right, and not only that, she could have made the news um, if she had if she had rejected that. She could have made the news positively and said, "Now wait a minute, you know, America has a lot of faults, and it has since the beginning, but it was not founded on racism, sexism, and other evils. America was founded on the idea that people are created equal, and we've been striving towards that idea." I mean, there was a thousand things she could have said that would have had her make the news in a favorable 
you know, coalition building way and not just agreeing with the most insane proposition that she's presented with right away. Yeah. And so let's play a little bit more of this. You're going to notice the code switching here in a moment. More. Uh, this is more of the back and forth on in this uh, parking lot in uh, Michigan. So let's start with police brutality. You know, I, I was a prosecutor in my career. And I'm going to tell you one of the problems. You're going to what? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Okay. One of, one of the problems with the criminal justice system is that there's a phrase that is often used in the criminal justice system, and it's the phrase is accountability and consequence. There needs to be accountability and consequence. But the term is always used in connection with the person who was arrested and never in the context of the system itself and the actors within the system. And that's never. Mm. Never at all. No, there's not police currently sitting in jail it, right now. As a matter of fact, I believe in uh, Minneapolis, you know, f- mm-hmm. for as part of this accountability. But her willingness to immediately, immediately you know, brush right past the perp in the situation and go right to the cops. I, isn't this why Biden won the nomination? So this isn't her, him being the stand up guy. And being the gentleman, well, she's the pit bull against against Trump. This is her going full woke while he's unable to speak. So this is what the campaign is now just woking. Well, right. I mean, doesn't it feel that the campaign is not um, being run by anyone remotely affiliated with Biden anymore? I mean, it. It. I feel like there's a power vacuum in the campaign. I mean, and... You know, Trump got fact checked on this about who's running the campaign, who's handling Biden. But but it certainly seems like the campaign has gone a lot more woke than Biden did beforehand. Right. And I, I, will, I will not have you uh, impugning the good work of my good friend to Daniel Dale. <laughs> no, it's not. Joe Biden is his own man. His campaign is run by Democrats, many of them conventional Democrats for many decades. And there, there are no shadowy figures. All right. Get that straight. Sorry. I don't know. Maybe there's maybe they see some polling that tells them that they're winning in all the states they need to, that they're even doing well in battleground states and and that they can they have got such a such a buffer that, you know, go in there and just free will Kamala. But let me we'll go back here so we can get that right. woke, the uh, the code switching moment. So let's start with police brutality. You know, I, I was a prosecutor in my career. And I'm going to tell you one of the problems, <laughs> one of one of the problems with the criminal justice system. I love that. By the way, just one of the problems. We know there's a myriad of problems. It's mostly problems. But let's just let's just for the sake of uh-huh. argument here, because we all want to get out of here within five hours, just pick one of the problems. Obviously, the whole thing's a problem. The whole thing sucks. <laughs> is that there's a phrase that is often used in the criminal justice system, and it's the phrase is accountability and consequence. There needs to be accountability and consequence. But the term is always used in connection with the person who was arrested and never in the context of the system itself and the actors within the system. And that's part of the problem on this issue. There has not been consequence and accountability for police officers who break the rules and break the law consistent with those who do. So there are a number of things that we need to do to address it. For Joe and I, it includes we need to end choke holes and carotid holes. George Floyd would be alive today 
It means there needs. Wait, I, I don't know that that's true. He had his knee on his head. Yeah, is that the same thing as a chokehold? No, there wasn't a chokehold or a carotid uh, hold. And also, Mm -hmm. your buddy Daniel Dale, uh, you would think at that point, might want to look into that because there have been autopsy reports now from the coroner saying the guy OD'd. We don't know if that the knee on the head killed him. We know he died while the knee was on his head and the guy was expressing discomfort during that point. But Mm -hmm. you would think that that if, if that's not true... That that's a volatile thing to say in 2020, right? Especially since you're the you're le- uh, the top of the uh, Harris Biden ticket, and people are going <laughs> to believe what you say is true. Right. It's to be a national standard for police use of force. You know, in many places, the question when there's an excessive use of force is to ask: Was that use of force reasonable? Well, as we all know, you can reason away just about anything. The just and right question to ask was, was that use of force necessary? We are going to put in place a national registry. Oh, great. This is the great uh-huh. one. Why? Well, because often when there is any accountability and consequence for a police officer who breaks the rules or breaks the law, it is administrative. It doesn't go to court because... Often the standards are just so high that they don't take them to court, and that's why we want to change the standards. But it goes through an administrative hearing. So what ends up happening, maybe that officer gets fired. Then they can pick up and move to another jurisdiction, and their record doesn't follow them. And so we need to have a standard. We need to also take... You know, police are people-level accusations formal accusations against arresting officers all the time. There are very few who don't have a whole bunch of them. They've got nothing mm-hmm. to lose. The, the, the criminal will say in any instance that the cop lied about this or he did this or he planted this on me. This. Mm-hmm. They've got nothing to lose. But what she's doing right here is creating a database, a hit list database, essentially, of right. cops who have been accused of things. And it's like the sex offender database, but it's just of bad cops. And only... A, the. <laughs> This is so wildly irresponsible. And talk about, you want to preserve police unions forever and ever. This is how you do it. Right. Well, and I think it's interesting her saying, you know, like these things don't go to court because the standards in court are too high. So we need to lower the standards. I mean, it's funny to, to me to say, you know, if we're talking about criminal justice reform in that context that, you know, the the burdens of proof are too high to prove that a crime was committed. Like, so now we're going to have a a standard for cops that's that's lower that um, to to have them, you know, convicted of a crime in court. That seems it seems like the wrong direction to go with courts and crimes, you know, so now what? We're going to throw cops, cops who, by the way, are more black than the general population. There's more black cops than there right. are in lots of other professions. Like, now we're going to throw them in jail for use of force at some lower standard? It's it's just interesting to throw me. Throw them in jail or get them on the bad cop database, publicly available bad cop database. And that's any lawyer, any corporate lawyer would then tell the union... To disengage, disengage. You don't want to, you know, if yeah, you, you, you don't want to be a part of this, right? Drive on by because Absolutely. it is not. I'm your lawyer in your best interest. Yeah, no. The profit out of the criminal justice system. So what am I talking about? One, private prisons, and we will eliminate private prisons. This is pretty rich coming from the uh, attorney general of of uh, California. It's crazy coming from her. 
think about the business model of a private prison is that some human beings are making a bunch of money off the incarceration of other human beings. That needs to end. We will end cash bail. I have been a leader on ending cash bail in the United States Senate. Why? Because they- this private prison thing is is also another canard. You know, if they can do it better and use a third party, we use third parties for everything else. Sure. I'm not married to the idea that we need but need them, but they came because there was a market interest in them. You know, right? And, and yes, somebody is making money off of somebody else being being uh, incarcerated. Usually, the state's making a lot of money off of people being incarcerated as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these people are put to work. They run the facilities generally. It's like it's a little bit rich to take th- that step that far back uh-huh. and say no one person should be making money off of another person. There are people sitting in jail simply because they don't have the money to pay bail. That's wrong, because that's an economic justice issue as much as it is a criminal justice issue. You're saying that people are going to be incarcerated because they don't have enough money in their back pocket? We need to end cash bail in America. So these are some of the things we're going to do. I don't know that they're sitting in jail just because they don't have enough money yes, to it be is. bailed. Just because, I mean, okay, so yes, you can be wrongfully accused of a crime and then end up. So there are cases of that. Generally, a lot of the times that, and we've seen this with some of the people, mass bail fund is bailed out in Massachusetts. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that many of the times that we're, you know, putting people in jail with bail, that they probably should stay there. And, you know, you know, should there be a system where we keep people in jail before trials based on other things? Like maybe, but... You know, this is a system we've developed, so you better have a pretty robust solution in place to keep the rapists and the murderers, you know, off the streets before their trial. Because whatever you've got going on right now is not working with these bail funds. So, yeah, But that's their, I mean, so that was the theme today. Well, she was out retail politicking. politicking. Um, it was criminal justice reform, wokeism, racism. It's not even criminal justice reform. I mean, to, to absorb... A contention by that other guy there, the student at a college, shocking, um, who believes that uh, the country was born of racism, sexism, genome. What's the genome? What's the third one? Xenophobia. Xenophobia. That's right. That's a fun. I re- I uh, I um, resent that word because it's an X word. I get a, it's my own issue. Don't worry about it. Donald Trump will never use the term "Black Lives Matter." He will never say that. He will never say it. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> We're aware of that, actually, and that is what's called a good thing. Well, and some people won't say all lives matter, so that's interesting, too. Why can't we? That's not a topic we're allowed to broach. But, you know, so we'll have those reforms when we'll see how that works out for them. Being the woke uh, candidacy, which is not, I believe, what he signed up for, but we'll see what, what, what happens. I mean, they'll have their flax out there, although the flax have not been according to themselves very well. Is it according? Mm-hmm. According to themselves very well, you know they can't answer the um, questions about the teleprompters. Now they're not going to be able to answer questions about him not being able to get out of the house. But we'll see. We'll see how that works. Uh, you know, Trump's been out stumping and and having fun and having big rallies, partly maskless. Sometimes I think I'm not sure. I'm I'm told mm. that every Trump event is a seed spreading super spreader event. Um, but actually. It, it, about that, you there's new COVID stats out today. 
um, I'm not sure the new COVID stats, but it shows the, the death rate among people in their 20s through 40s is something like 0.02%. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I know what we're doing. I know that we're um, we're arresting parents in rich towns whose kids have had raging keggers and, <laughs> and, and putting them in the criminal justice system for some reason. Um, but I don't know why we're doing it. I don't know anymore what the hell the the use is exactly. You know, uh, there's more in some European countries. There's been spikes up in cases. There it is, or I don't know that if they yesterday they put out uh, the CDC put out a new piece of guidance out there that this is now airborne, as well as. Uh, something to do with uh, just particles out of your mouth or whatever, and then they control Z it, and that was gone, and we're told they're recooking it to give us another bit of guidance. I don't know a, what's going on with this virus. It, if I was just to guess, I would say that this virus does what it wants to do, and that our, you know, our our masks or whatever. Were are only as protective as a mask would be any other year. I don't know. I don't believe anybody who tells me that they know. So I'll hand it to you, Alice. Um, I think there's multiple things going on. I mean, one thing is, and we've known this from the beginning, that this illness, especially like one thing that's been very, very clear is that this illness affects the elderly and not many other people very, um, very strongly. And ever, Everyone's going to come forward with the anecdotal cases of the one forty-year-old guy or the whoever. That's true, but we're talking about at a level of statistics. We're talking about you know population level statistics. Who is this affecting? You know, you don't shut down like young and healthy people die of the flu every year, and we don't shut down the country over it. We don't mandate masks in every place of business over it. Um, you know, so I'm not saying that at all, that this is not a serious illness and people don't die of it. I'm just saying, you know, at what level, what's the threshold at which we stop everything and change our entire lives and turn the world upside down over something, right? So so I'm not saying that it did. So the big impact of this, the impact that was shocking and worrying and all the people were dying was among the elderly community mm-hmm. always from the beginning if it were just the statistics that we were seeing among younger people and uh, in particular among children who v- seem to be you know v- very little affected by this um you know w- we never would have proceeded with this level of response right you know it it's always been the elderly community where the numbers have been you know, kind of shocking and outliers compared to other illnesses that we see every single year, you know, like the flu, you know, elder, more elderly do die of the flu, but also more, you know, kids tend to die, die of the flu and, and it does affect younger people more. When you look at the, the age curve for COVID, it's, it's much, much more skewed towards the elderly than these other illnesses. So, okay. So, so that's one question you know, and then another question is, are we getting better at treating this? And the answer is, okay, well, we're either getting better at treating it or it's getting weaker. Um, you know, I, I tend to credit the medical community quite a bit for advances they've made and things they've learned along the way with COVID here that um, for whatever reason, 
you know, a lot more people seem to be surviving COVID. Um, a lot more people. And, um, you know, you can see this in the numbers when you look at the curves from the spikes in the spring and you look at cases and then you look at deaths next to it. You're like, oh, wow, like a lot of people are dying of this. And now when you look at these numbers, you look at the numbers of cases which have been spiking, quote unquote, um, you know, we're doing more testing, but the positive testing rate, um, you know, you can, you can tell kind of where you are on the curve. And um, so you can see that cases have been spiking up again, but the fatality rates are much, much lower. And that's part of what's happening here. So either COVID has slowed down. There's a lot of speculation that some of the more deadly strains have worked themselves out because as a virus, if you kill your host, you die out in the population faster. People don't have time to infect as many other people. Um, you know, and then and then also you combine that with advances that the medical communities made in terms of how they're treating COVID and and combined, you're getting a disease that's much less deadly. Does that mean they were wrong to shut things down in the spring? No, I don't think so. I think that it was a new thing. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We didn't want the hospitals overwhelmed. There were places in the world where it got close. Italy was getting overwhelmed. New York was, you know, at capacity pretty much. These And we didn't know how to treat it. A lot of people were in very, very rough shape. And and a lot of people died compared to now. Now is another thing. And I don't know that it's following the science to be acting like this is still the same situation that we had in right. March of this year. Now, could this change? Could a more virulent and deadly strain come up sometime in December? I mean, possibly. We should continue to monitor this. Our testing situation is much better than it was in the spring. People should continue to get tested. People should continue to be a little bit cautious. I mean, would I right now go to like a big indoor event, like a, a convention, you know, with a ton of other people all like shaking hands and right on top right. of each other with no masks? Like, probably not. I would not. I don't think that that's a great idea. But... I mean, I think that kids can play soccer. I know this is my hobby horse right now. I think kids can play soccer outside in a field without masks on. I think that's probably pretty low risk at this point. I think that, you know, I think that a lot of these kind of everyday things and everyday activities that people are doing are, are pretty are pretty safe. And I think that the people who are demanding that schools stay closed are not following the numbers and following the science with where we are today. I, I yeah. just don't think that they are. I mean, I'm a science person. I believed the science at the beginning. I thought we should, you know, shut down at the beginning, control this, the two weeks to slow the spread, flatten the curve, keep the hospitals from being overflowing. You know, Massachusetts, things got pretty bad. Right. But <clears throat> and remember, we were a shut it all down state. Right. We all went to our houses. We all shut it down. It worked its way through the nursing homes and killed 9,000 people. And then we patted ourselves in back, on the back and bought COVID strong t-shirts like yeah, we did after much. the marathon. I mean, yeah, it's, it is what it is. And But I think that behaving as though this is the same situation that was happening in March simply because, I mean, I think it's really because people feel that it benefits Democrats politically to continue oh, totally. to act as though we're in a state of crisis when right. we're not anymore. Like, the crisis is done. Yes, there's nothing more patronizing, too, and just insulting of somebody saying, guys, this is about the disease. It's about This is not political. This is not political. 
Science. Well, right, but I mean, meanwhile, if you're a person who believes science and believes, uh, you know, the public health figures, then they're saying that kids should be back in school, that the risk is greater to kids not being in school um, than it is from from COVID. Right. And also, if it wasn't political, then we wouldn't suddenly wipe it clean when Black Lives Matter was having their bashes. And what right, about and this? What, go ahead. I was going to say, where were the where was the big you know, death toll from those huge, you know, gatherings that took place. Right, well, right. And, the, you know, the, the, it, that only happens at uh, Sturgis, you know, that infected 250 billion people, I think, the mm-hmm. bike rally of Trump supporters. Yeah, and where it's, were it's the... Been, it's been ridiculous, and there, there's no way to contact trace these crowds going out in the streets every night. It's not, nobody was doing... It's just so disingenuous. It's just such BS, and I want my little buddy here... To be able to fly in a plane without getting hassled. Hampshire mom says she was kicked off an American Airlines flight when her two-year-old son wouldn't keep his mask on. Rachel Star Davis posted this picture on Instagram Friday saying she tried everything to get him to wear it. She says her young son was screaming and crying as she tried to put the mask on him. The airline requires all passengers over two to wear a mask. She says the crew forced everyone to get off the plane and did not allow her and her son back on. She says she was left crying in the airport. She posted again yesterday saying that she's received an outpouring of support and added, quote, no mother should ever feel the way I felt on that plane. Okay, two things to say about this. One, I looked up mom's Instagram. I don't, not crazy, crazy, crazy in love with mom. <laughs> What's um, wrong with mom? He, she's uh, uh, some kind of life coach or something, or I don't know, but she's got a lot of Instagram followers, so she's a, a little bit of an influencer, I think. Um, I, I just don't, I don't know why these. Well, yes, I do. I, I'm not trusting mom's, um, mom's decision making on this. I mean, I as far as the plane, that's fine, but as far as, um. As far as the um, victimhood status, some people, it's advantageous for some people to be uh, victims. I'll speak for a second. I'm going to let the dog out. Right. So, I mean, I don't know about mom's Instagram. I didn't Instagram stalk her and check out what what her life story is. Um, But, I mean, this is clearly just way overreach on the mask front. The idea that one little two-year-old on a plane... Is going to be this huge disease vector that's going to cause some spike in cases or something. It's just so insane. Because, first of all, the mask argument works on an epidemiological scale. Like a few minutes ago, I was saying these things are like at a statistical population level that we deal with this stuff scientifically. You know, it's not that one person wears a mask and then they either infect or don't infect other people or inf- get infected or don't get infected based on whether or not that particular person wore a mask. It's that the science that we have on masks says essentially that, you know, if you have like over 80% of the people who are all gathering in a crowd wearing masks, then you reduce the risk that somebody gets infected X percent. You know, it's sort of like a population scale argument. It's like vaccines, too. The the um, science works the same way. You know, it's like you want to get over the threshold of people who are less likely to get infected. It's not like you get one shot and you're 100% um, definitely not going to get this illness. You know, if you wear a mask, you're not 100% 
definitely never going to get infected or definitely never going to infect somebody else. It's just that, you know, if you get close to everybody doing something, then it sort of works out that fewer people overall get infected and you can slow the thing down. So one little kid on an airplane is not the difference maker. That's not it. I mean, yes, overall, the rates of mask adoption do kind of matter. Um, and and that's, you know, it's something that you can see statistically on a on a big scale. But, you know, one person, and this is why I have such a problem with people acting like screaming at individuals who don't wear masks, mm-hmm. because it that one person isn't really making the difference either way. They have so little impact as an individual. Right. And what we've done now, unfortunately now, is we've ratcheted a masks down into the culture for several reasons. Why? Because people are virtue signaling jerks. Uh, because, um, you know, Donald Trump is being opposed by Joe Biden. Biden, who wears his mask almost always. But they should be. It's estimated that 200 million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. Right. And it's one of the few times he wasn't wearing a mask. Um, but we've ratcheted it down, now, unfortunately, into the culture. So I have no doubt that every year, every flu season, there will be mask people in mask mandates. Either it will be mandated by the school or people will just show you that I'm a, I'm a mask person because I care about you, right. is, is what they're saying. All right, back to politics. Uh, the epicenter of Washington, D.C. is where the uh, the main event is uh, and the excitement of it is emanating from right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they've made it very clear that the battle lines have been drawn. Uh, I don't know if you know, but... Um, Jonah Goldberg and who else? He wrote a piece with somebody else. Oh, it's George Will and one other person saying that uh, Republicans should compromise and make a deal with Democrats about holding off on RBG. Um, Chuck Schumer is out there and um, took some questions on some of this stuff uh, early. You know, it was interesting. <clears throat> Maybe before I get that, we'll go to Don Lemon, okay? Don Lemon has uh, demanded... That, um, you, we, you know, the system as we know it has to be tossed away. The revolution, it is time for the revolution. No matter what happens, everybody sticks to the We're going to have team. to blow up the entire system. And you know what we're going to have to do? No, I don't know You know that. what we're going to, yes, yeah. we're going to have to do? <laughs> you just got to Honestly, from what your closing argument is, you're going to have to get rid of the electoral college. Because the people. I don't see it. Uh, because the, the minority in this country decide. It must be tough, tough for Cuomo. Not a genius himself. To have to hear this from Don Lemon, who's profoundly stupid, (laughs) to have Lemon do it with that one eye kind of cocked because he's Mm -hmm. he's you know teaching he's lecturing thoughtful yeah yes thoughtful who the judges are and they decide who the president is is you need a constitutional amendment to do that and if Democrats if Joe Biden wins Democrats can stack the courts. And they can do that amendment and they can get it passed. Well, you that's need two-thirds vote in the Congress and three-quarters of the state legislature. They may be able to do that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like I, a stretch given that, you know, I think there's probably a good three-quarters of the states that probably don't want their power as states diminished in in the country. I mean... Right. But it's ra- this is radical creation. Mean, to, to, to think that he's... Uh, journalist as well. <laughs> he is he's but, a very serious news journalist in that channel tom right. is very unbiased and symmetrical in the way that symmetrical. they handle the news exactly and now he's of course they're saying that this has to have we have to blow it all up now because rbg 
because RBG, and that's why they have to wait. Trump cannot do this now. The president is elected for four years, not three years, so the power that he has in year three continues into... Just you yeah, shut up. I don't even know who that is. Oh, that, is that is Ruth Bader Ginsburg saying the obvious. The president thing. is elected for four years, not three years. Four years, not three years. You know, I, I would think that maybe what she says has some standard standing here. You well, know, I know her dying wishes do. I've heard that. The very last dying wish of RBG was that her vacancy not be filled until. The new president takes office. The new president. So Trump gets reelected. Too bad. Stays open. Stays open. So So, I've kind of developed a theory about the dying wish thing. Do you want to hear it? So my thought is that perhaps this isn't like her deathbed dying wish, but this was sort of massaged into that from just like something that she had in mind like towards the end of her life you know like i mean i think obviously she would have hoped that she would be replaced by the next president so like maybe this is something she talked about with family where she was like wow i really hope i'm not replaced until after the next president is in office it's a wish wish yeah and then like and then like her family was like wow you know they kind of that it became like it turned into this sort of anecdotally like wow she really didn't want to be replaced by this president and like this was you know and you know all it takes is somebody to say like that's really her you know final her final wish or her like last you know big wish for where the country would go or yes. something you know this, this will like, bring and then her it back sort of turn into this legend that mm. it's like her, her dying wish in some like make a wish foundation I, way i believe her dying wish was violated by uh, donald trump and i'm sticking with that Maisie Hirono is all in, by the way, on this uh, court reform is what they call it now, Alice, when you stack the court. This is long overdue court reform as far as I'm concerned, and I've been thinking about court reform and what we can do regarding the Supreme Court to make it so much more objective. And so this is not something that uh, a lot of us have not thought about. But on the other hand, that's after the election. We only have a, a serious discussion about any of these things if the Democrats take back the Senate. So there you go. But you know what? Why? You know what? I'm glad she said that because a reporter asked Chuck Schumer that today. Why not just start winning stuff? Yes, ma'am. Do you think that this sort of brings the importance of elections and voting into focus? I mean, the reason why there's likely going to be a third conservative justice in the court is because President Trump won the election. Senate Republicans won the majority. What is the message now to Democrats in terms of the importance of winning elections? The Ameri- it's not just a message to Democrats. It's a message to the American people. Whoop, sorry. Getting used to this. Um, it's a message to the American people, which is so much of what you value is at stake, and it affects individuals. My daughter and her wife were sitting together at our Rosh Hashanah dinner when we heard the news of the terrible tragedy of Justice Greenberg, uh, Ginsburg's passing. And one of them looked to the other and said, do you think our right to marry? They're married already, but will be preserved. So this matters to the American people. It's way beyond politics. But it means that if the American people care about these issues, they should let their Republican senators, who seem to be lining up lockstep, that they shouldn't be voting for this nominee. And then they have the opportunity at the ballot box 
just 40 some odd days away to change it. If you just, if you just in 2014, if you guys just hadn't been so arrogant and had such an obtuse president and didn't ram through Obamacare and then have the um, gateway into Obamacare crash on the American people and not work and then lie to the people even more and say, no, 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 there's other ways you can get in. Standing by it, if you just did that, then you wouldn't have lost eight seats or six seats or whatever it was, and then you could not, you know, not uh, not process Trump judges all day and night. That's if you just, okay? No, Harry Reid had to change the thing because they were being mean to uh, Barack Obama and they were holding up nominees. Yeah, parties hold up nominees. It's dirty politics in Washington, D.C. There's a way around that. You know, and before that, with the Obamacare, with Demon Pass, just deal with it and have Jonathan Gruber afterwards, uh, you know, brag about, oh, it was great. We had to lie to the idiotic American people. We knew we had to do that. Yeah, we were lying to them because we had to get it passed. If they knew the truth, they would never go for it. Of course we had to lie. And on on three different isolated tapes, by the way, and Zeke Emanuel said the same thing, essentially. I mean, they had the chance to do this. They had the chance to win elections, and they, they... Chose not to because, you know, immediate goals and immediate gratification and immediate reinforcement from their media, you know, mm-hmm. kept them off the ball. But they absolutely had the, the chance to do it. So, I, I mean. It, but he still doesn't even understand the question. I mean, they're asking him, like, does this mean elections matter? And he's like, everyone should call their Republican senators. Like, what are you talking about? They wouldn't have to call the Republican senators if you guys could run some people who could win elections. You know, like, yes, you might have to compromise on some issues. You might have to run a pro-life Democrat some in some states. Like, oh, my goodness. That didn't used to be a hugely shocking thing. But no, now, like, the party's like, we can't compromise on human rights. We can't run somebody. We can't have anyone in the Democratic Party who disagrees on anything. And, you know, you make yourself a fringe party nationally. Yep. And you know what I do? John Barrasso is now going at the Democrats in Biden. And this is um, this is really – Washington's a dirty place. But I did appreciate this because they're consistent in the hitting theme. And you can learn this from Democrats. Democrats can wield um, – could can sew anything in. It's, it's not so. What do you, you wheel in? What do you do? You fold in. can fold any other issue into any other issue. So terrorism equals climate change equals social justice. That's smart. And so Brasso here, although on a smaller level – uses this event to really hit Joe Biden on something else. This is really just gaslighting. I don't know what Joe Biden remembers, but when you think back of the time when he played such a role in the hearings for Judge Bork, he was the one that basically turned on what became a political circus. I don't know if he remembers that he was the one that smeared Clarence Thomas. I don't know if Joe Biden remembers that he is the one that led the filibuster of Justice Alito. I'm not sure what he recalls of any of those. <laughs> and that is it's, another... Um, yeah. Yes, yes. That is a watermark that um, has two words in it. The first one is F. The last one starts with a Y. <laughs> and that's all you have to know about that. All right, there is one other thing, but that's a child. But that's a little Cyril Shattuck making the noise over there because now is the time you do that, but that's fine. I'm... I'm calm. Everything's fine. I'm not going to do it for my own kid. When I wake up in the morning, love. Hi, Sally. One more thing to and go over. You can put those headphones on. Listen. 
don't have to usually use uh, Bill Withers on my own kids, but I am. <laughs> like the song? One more thing to hit before we go over this. I'm going to have more of this audio tomorrow, but um, if you w- didn't see it today, Alyssa Milano, somebody called the cops. It looks like first it, people thought she called the cops because there was an intruder on her property. Turns out then the, the reports were that her husband called the cops because of an intruder, and the police rolled over like six squad cars in L.A., and then she claims that actually it was the next-door neighbor that called the cops because they saw somebody with a rifle in her yard. It turns out it was... a child with a with a by the way the international uh, sh- convention of shadow kids is happening up in my house right now if you'd like to come into the studio so now they they find so it turns out the kid was a it was a child with an air gun so anyway this got me to to look up Alyssa Milano's account to see what, what she had to say about this because she was a defund the police kind of person and so I mean why would she want all those cops at her house it seems very irresponsible considering they should be the dog was stepped on. They should be uh, defunded. So anyway, I it, I go there and I find that Alyssa Milano is giving a is having a discussion on climate with a young lady, a long, young climate activist who who took um, in her area of study in college was um, community um, organizing. Okay. And then, but she's her higher education, whatever, is in climate. A climate issue. Climate justice. Climate justice, whatever. <laughs> and that's what she does now. She goes around giving climate justice talks. She's also, sadly, uh, her dad died of COVID this year. And you may have seen her profiled at the DNC saying Donald Trump killed her dad. Shockingly enough, the young lady who lost her dad, and that's terrible, um, has a big leftist um, background and is an activist for a living. So anyway... She and Alyssa Milano. Melissa Milano talks has a question for her about climate justice, and this is uh, focused around the Amazon. Now, I had I talked to Alyssa Milano once, but we talked about um, paper towels, so we it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't deep, and I didn't uh, I didn't, couldn't get a read on uh, if she was a smart person or not. But I I don't know I don't know that she's profoundly brilliant. So there's Melissa, Melissa Milano asking about. Um, about a situation, a climate situation in the Amazon. I want to just really take a moment so that our viewers can really understand what's happening. So because mm-hmm. they are coming in and, um, and, and taking down trees in the rainforest for farmland, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Yes. That we are... Um, putting a lot of animals um, out of their homes, which makes pandemics jump Mm -hmm. from animals to humans um, even faster or easier. Is that Uh, correct? Am I getting that right? Yes, that is a really good, succinct way to put it. I would say it is not a good (laughs) way to put it. I don't know that by creating these farms, we're taking the the animals out of their homes (laughs) <laughs> and creating pandemics. But there you go. The art Well, of- I don't see a lot of pandemics starting in the Amazon. That's one thing. Oh, you just wait. You just wait. 
these farms they will. And anyway, this is uh, their their uh, summit meeting they had today on Instagram was very enjoyable. I have some more cuts of uh, on those uh, for those tomorrow. So, um, all right, we have you're all done. <laughs> Uh, all right. <laughs> anyway, we got to. We talked about the stuff we needed to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us. Keep. Oh, I forgot to read the damn emails again. I've got some more emails for us. Some giving um, props to Alice Shattuck, by the way. And I'll ask you to concentrate your compliments uh, to me. <laughs> Thank you so much for everything. I appreciate it. Email me, Winchester at uh, gmail.com, at Tom Shattuck. Follow Alice Shattuck at Alice Shattuck. Take it easy. We'll see you tomorrow. C'est la vie. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.